to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. This is our final special guest for the dub season. We're very, very excited to have another chat lined up. So before we get into that chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. But Joining me, Marissa Lordanik, today is Sam Lewis and Angela Christian Wilkes and a very special guest from Sydney FC. So let's get into the chat with Premiership winning captain, Nat Tobin. We're very lucky we have another special guest joining us today. She's a Premiership winning captain now with Sydney FC. She's been a rock in defence all season. So it's a very big welcome to Nat Tobin. Nat, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. We're so excited to chat and we know that obviously a lot of focus is going to be on the grand final, which is an awesome achievement. It's I think the stat is that you guys have made five straight grand finals now, which is a mind-blowing stat. But we need to start with your most recent game, which was that semi-final mm. against Melbourne City. And we've been talking about it constantly. It was unbelievable to watch. So I'm very curious, how was it to actually play in, particularly when your team's 2-0 down and if you lose, you know, you've got to take the long way around to a grand final. What was it like in that moment? Um, it was a very stressful game, I would say, one full of highs and lows, that's for sure. I think after the game, I was reflecting and I just thought I've never been on that side of a game. Like, I feel as though um, I've kind of always been on the other end where I've been up and then come the other team's come back and beaten us. Um, so it was, it was pretty special um, to see happen. Um, but, yeah, it was it was... <laughs> Definitely one of highs and lows. I think the first half as well, um, my mistake contributed to the first goal. So I was feeling really down on myself, um, especially going into halftime. It kind of didn't really hit me till halftime as well. I kind of was like, I have to get on with the game. I can't think about it. Um, and then at halftime, I just felt like, I just felt honestly like crap. Like, especially, um, yeah, I just felt like I had to lead the team and, you know, I didn't I didn't really do my job in that moment. But to see, you know, such a young team be able to come back was really special. And, you know, once that third goal went in from Sarah, it was an incredible feeling. And I don't think I slept that night really just because I was buzzing the whole night. And even the night after, I know um, Mackenzie in the team, she's one of my best friends and she stays over before morning sessions because she lives so far away. And we had a morning session on Tuesday morning and she came over and she was like, I haven't slept in like three days. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it just goes to show how, um, I guess, gripping a game it was. I mean, what yeah. changed it, Nat, to you? You know, you, you've you spoken sort of about like the a game of two halves, I suppose, in that sense. Like Courtney Vine obviously made a huge impact, but so did Sarah Hunter, so did Cote Rojas, so did... A lot of the other players who were already on the field, there seemed to just be a shift of vibe, of energy, of belief. Like, how did you read that shift? Um, I think Courtney kind of had a lot to do with it. I know as a defender, if you bring on a striker like Courtney when you're already tired, um, it's it's hard. And I think Courtney just came on and, and ripped their 
defense to shreds in a way. Um, you know, she's a very talented player and also just so, so speedy. So I think court really kind of gave us this extra edge that made us, and especially once that goal went in, I remember thinking as soon as she scored it, I was like, okay, we've got this. Like, I don't know, you could just feel the belief amongst the team. Um, and then, yeah, Ante, with like five minutes ago, was like, okay, now you can go up front. And I went down in the box and then um, kind of had to roll out of the way and then Cote scored. And I think that kind of just brought through the experience from Cote as well. Like she's she's over 30 and, um, yeah, you can just tell, like she just brings so much experience to this side and I thought it was very fitting that she scored. <laughs> I love that moment when you rolled away. It was like, don't mind me. I'm just hanging out here. I know. Uh, I was in so much pain as well. I was like, oh, my God. Are you okay, I guess? Like, what's uh, what's yeah, the yeah. update there? Yeah, to come off. Oh, yeah, no. I um, I hurt my ankle in New Year's Eve, I think, we played um, against Wellington, and I just kind of rolled the same ankle. So it's it's pretty fat but it it's fine I can train on it and I can run on it and it's all good just a bit swollen (laughs) yeah I'm sure that's a a massive relief to yourself and the team um my question so I guess this Sydney FC team this year huge defensive record the most clean sheets ever that doesn't just come from nowhere and I'm really interested in your partnership with Charlotte McLean because obviously you've been at Sydney FC for a long time but she came in last year um and so how like have you played together before how did you go about creating that partnership and um I guess is there something a community level it's interesting I see my friends talk about like one of them is like she's like I need a calm center back to my like high energy mm-hmm. anxious center back is there something going on there how do you complement each other um I think well Charlotte and I are very good friends um so I think it works in that regard um and I kind of in a way bring a little bit more experience whereas Charlotte kind of um brings I'd say a little bit more energy and just like willingness to kind of get in there and like jump in front of the ball and um whereas I kind of just sit back as more of a sweeper kind of role um yeah so I think we kind of just bounce off each other and just knowing that we bring different attributes to the to that role as well um, is really nice because I think we kind of just know that if one of us misses a tackle, usually the other one's there uh, to cover us. And Ante's kind of had us playing like that. Um, he's a he was a defender himself, so he kind of coached us through it all. Um, because you know I'm not a natural centre back either. I'm more number six. Um, so he's coached me through it and then Charlotte kind of has played right back in centre back Um, but I think just having that friendship it really helps and like really good communication and we both have the attitude that you know we're never really we're not lazy people like we we do our job and we would never just kind of let someone run past us or not track back and I think um, that really helps as well obviously. Speaking of new roles, Nat, it's not just centre-back that you've sort of taken to, but it's also captaincy. You know, it's a huge role and particularly stepping into the shoes of someone like Teresa Polias. How have you found that? Have you found that you've sort of developed your own character? You've sort of grown into the leadership over the course of the season? I think so. Yeah, I was pretty nervous going into it, not going to lie, just because of 
uh, T's track record of the team being so successful and also, um, yeah, kind of coming in and I'm the second oldest in the team. So I kind of thought it would be a big job this season just because of how young the team is. And, you know, when you have a young team, you don't know which way it will go. Um, yeah, so I was a bit nervous. I wanted to keep the track record. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I just feel like this season couldn't have gone any smoother than what, a, what it is going. Um, I kind of, like, have always made my role, I guess, in the sense of captain, to make everyone feel welcome and everyone feel comfortable. Like, I think in the past it's, you know, we've had um, kind of a disparity in, in um, you know, we've had some Matildas and we've had some internationals and, and then you have the young girls coming through who haven't, you know, kind of achieved as much as some of the older ones and I guess it's kind of overwhelming um, coming into the team but I just wanted to make everyone feel really comfortable and, um, yeah, I think, I hope I've, I've done that. Um, yeah, just you can kind of see everyone's really happy in the team. And I think I watched Courtney's interview after the semifinal game and she was like, everyone in this team loves each other. Like it's everyone literally just loves each other. And, and um, yeah, I'm really glad that's kind of the culture that I have somewhat helped. And I think Ante's really helped it too. Like he, he just wants us to have fun and always encourages it when we're at training and at the games as well. I feel like that kind of culture is really important in any kind of regular season, but this season in particular has been kind of bananas for so many reasons. Teams have had to deal with COVID outbreaks. Obviously we've had teams relocated and stuff. How have you and how has Sydney kind of handled this season? Because from the outside, it certainly looks like you guys have been very much blessed with kind of a less bumpy road than some of the other teams, but how have you kind of handled the, the craziness of this season? Yeah, I think um, our team, I think Sydney and Adelaide were the only ones to not have COVID kind of run through, run through the team. So we were lucky in that regard that, you know, the only games that were changed were um, due to other teams having COVID outbreaks, not us. Um, so that was nice. We had a little bit more certainty in that regard. Um, but we still had to make changes. Like there was a few a few games there, I think one against Victory, one against City. Um, where we had to change it and that was really hard there was one week that was just like not gonna lie it was just awful it was uh, we played on the weekend and then we traveled down to Melbourne on a Tuesday played the Wednesday night at eight o'clock stayed down there flew back at 5 30 a.m then I went to straight from the airport to work and on Friday we had training and I just, after training, I just cried. I was like, I'm so tired. And um, yeah, so that, that week really, really knocked us around. And a lot of the girls really felt it by, by the end of that week. Um, but I think it really helps the fact that everyone gets along and I never dread going to training. I really, I really love going to training. So, you know, even if I don't feel like playing as such because I'm so tired, it's really nice to still see your friends. So um, I think we just kind of worked off the back of each other there. And you mentioned Ante there, Nat. He's a bit of a sort of elusive character. No one seems to really know where he's come from or what he really contributes. But from the inside and having known him for such a long time, what exactly does he bring to Sydney FC and to this group of players that you think is sort of 
part of the reason for your success? Yeah, obviously um, I've known Ante for a long time now since he was my young Matildas coach in 2015. Um, yeah, so we Ante and I get along well and I think we kind of both have the same idea on culture. Um, and, you know, in the past, I'm not saying there's been huge cultural issues or anything, but if anything has a has come up, he's always stamped them out really early, um, which I think has been yeah something that he's been amazing at and has created this very comfortable feeling amongst the team um Ante's not one of those coaches who you know gets really buddy buddy with the players he very much is professional and turns up we do our training session then goes home um you know and I think that's really good because yeah it just creates this sense of like okay well you know you guys are all getting along well and I've kind of done my job and I'll I'll go home now. Um, but yeah, he has he allows us a lot of freedom, I would say. Like, you know, at training, we can laugh and joke around and he just laughs with us, sort of thing, um, which is always nice. Like he doesn't ever I've never seen him yell or get angry, um, which is yeah, amazing. And you know, even on the field when we're down 2-0, he was just like, Oh, good, but he was still saying, like, well done. Like whenever you do a good tackle and, you know, you got back into your position, he's like, yeah, good work, keep going. You know, he doesn't ever lose his cool, which I think is is great. And then, you know, people don't really get that. Um, they're walking on eggshells sort of thing. They still feel really comfortable. So, um, yeah, I think Ante's um, style of coaching really, really helps. And it's a great it's a great style of coaching, I think, for women especially because, you know, men I think sometimes respond more to that. Uh, you know get like be on your toes and whatnot whereas aren't they make sure that we're all feeling really comfortable which is good yeah I guess I'm intrigued as to what the halftime chat was in the game against City um because from what you just said it sounds like he's not the sort to hoot and holler um if you're down and coming up against a tough situation but was there any specific directions or change like obviously Courtney Mm -hmm. Vine coming on had a massive impact but what was the the directive I guess um in that discussion yeah he he kind of just said like we're doing well the first 15 minutes we're good um we just need to kind of take it from there you know Courtney's coming on we need to utilize her we know um you know defensive lines are threatened by her um yeah so he kind of just harped on the positives from that um didn't like he kind of let us know that we need to fix a few things up in terms of they were winning every ball and he's like you need to start getting to the ball first um because that is this whole season how we've won the game by getting to the ball first by being on everyone by by everyone defending from the front sort of thing um yeah and I was waiting to kind of I guess be told some of the things that we could fix up but yeah it was nice to have that positivity um Ellie was like Ellie Brush she helps out a lot and she was like I thought you guys are not playing well like I thought he was really gonna have a go there um but I guess Ante kind of just knows us and knows how we respond and I guess being a young team you can haven't a lot of the girls haven't really built that resilience in a way I think, you know, even myself, I know when I was younger, I would really get in my own head a lot if something went wrong. But now I'm older, I can kind of set it aside and move on. 
Um, and I think he knows that. And I think he knew it wouldn't it wouldn't work just halving on the negatives at, at half time. So yeah, he did he did really well with that, I think. It's a really interesting reflection that, particularly in light of a comment recently over in the NWSL, Casey Stoney, who used to be a player and former manager of Manchester United, said something fascinating about the new group that she's got over there in San Diego Wave. She said that the players that she's seeing are afraid to fail. And that seems to be something that really plagues particularly women players and particularly young women players. So like, it's really, uh, this is not really a question, but it's just sort of bouncing off the idea that particularly in a very young team, like the average age of this team is 22. It doesn't seem like anyone is afraid to fail, that there has been this environment sort of structured around them that encourages them constantly and is constantly positive. So that if you do make a mistake, as you just mentioned there, you're sort of more emotionally supported to be able to set it aside and focus on other things. Yeah, for sure. I think I I would totally agree with that statement that people were afraid to fail. And I know, yeah, growing up I was, um, I used to play with the mindset of I don't want to make a mistake rather than I want to go out there and do my best. And I think it's taken um a cultural change to kind of change that mindset for me but also I guess growing up and kind of being like okay it's not that much it's not that big a deal if you make a mistake um but yeah I guess aren't they not screaming <laughs> at someone when they make a mistake really helps um also within our team um no one really yells at each other when they make a mistake they just kind of try and throw encouragement their way obviously if it's you know, really bad or someone keeps doing it, you kind of have to, and they're not aware of it, you have to kind of call it out a bit. But, you know, you can see when someone's having a bad day. Um, And I think you're not going to get any better if you just get yelled at. I know I don't. Um, So, yeah, you just need to provide encouragement. And I think, yeah, everyone kind of knows that. We don't, I guess, I would say when I first started, it was more that hard mentality, like, you need to be able to be resilient. You need to be able to get through this. Like it's, it's mental toughness. And um, I know I didn't respond well to it. Some girls did. Some girls thrived off that, um, but I didn't respond well to it. And um, yeah, I think, I think um, most girls kind of coming through now don't either. So, you know, some still do, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say growing up that really worked for me. So definitely have tried as much as possible to help change that culture too. I have a kind of question that sort of relates to mentality, but not, I don't know, it might be clutching at straws here, but we're speaking to you in the the week off that Sydney has. We've got the prelim final coming up. So I'm curious about how you kind of approach this week because you don't Mm. have a game at the end of it. Is it a help? Is it a hindrance? How are you kind of approaching this week off? Yeah, it's a strange one. I, um... I am just kind of like taking it and just kind of using it as a bit of a reset week, I think. Um, yeah, we it was really nice to play the semi at home. and But all games, kind of six games prior to that, were all away trips. Um, so it was actually really shocking to have like a weekend at home um, last weekend. Um, but I felt so much better going into the week, having a week at home. So... I think having a complete weekend off now will just refresh everyone. Um, You know, I think we've all kind of got plans anyway to hang out on. We've got training Friday nights. We'll probably go out for dinner after. 
Saturday, um, I know a few of the girls want to go out for dinner. And Sunday, there's the uh, there's the semi-final, the the prelim semi-final. So we'll all probably get together and watch that. So we'll still still see each other every day, pretty much. But um, just in terms of um, yeah, training and whatnot, like we've kind of tapered off a bit this week, just having I think three sessions, and then next week it kind of just goes back to normal. Um, yeah, so that'll be really good, I think. And, yeah, just really nice to enjoy enjoy the weekend off. <laughs> so it's been a really chaotic season, that. And of all the players that we've spoken to, everyone sort of just seems wrecked at this point. Mm. And the fact that you've now got this big break is probably a, a blessing in that sense as well. But if you look back across the season, not just in the context of Sydney, but the whole league are there any sort of feel-good stories that come to mind? Any particular players who've really sprung out to you? Any moments that you really loved that you think we should try and remember this season for outside all of the disasters and chaos? Um, oh, that's a really good question. I'm just trying to have a think. What's, what's, I feel like there's been a lot, but just on the spot. Um, I think just... I mean, getting through all the all the away games was amazing. I think seeing um, the Asian well, the Asian Cup kicked off uh, in January, and to see um, like Remy had been rewarded with a call up beforehand, um, but Courtney got a call up during the season to the Matildas, and I think that was like the longest time coming call up I've ever seen. Like that girl is phenomenal and has been working so hard for a number of years and to finally see her get called up you know I just think that was really good to see and I think you know I'm a lot of the girls I think were confused as to why she hadn't been called up earlier but it was nice to see um finally court get rewarded oh I think a really nice one has been um Mackenzie she has just done so well this season and I'm so proud of her she's like my best friend um but that girl she just she commutes up from Wollongong four times a week to train like she stays in my house a couple of times a week um just to kind of minimize the travel involved but I we did that commute down to Wollongong to play Wellington and I was driving I was like oh hey go to Wollongong like such trek took me an hour and a half and I'm just like, how does she do this four times a week? And, um, yeah, just to see her kind of come into her own. Um, she works so, so hard. Um, and I know in the past she's kind of been overlooked um, because she, I guess she's small and uh, whatnot. But this year I think just her attributes really shone. Like she's so, so fit. And just to have her, like I love having her on my team when we play 5v5. She just runs all the time. Like you can't, you can't keep up with her. Like I can see why she scored so many goals because she's just fitter than everyone else. Like the defenders can't really keep up with her. Um, yeah, so I think that's been a really, a really good story to see. Um, yeah, and I think there'll be plenty more uh, good stories coming out of coming out of this season, or if not this season, moving forward. Yeah, with the young team, I think people start to flourish a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think the really fantastic thing about this Sydney team is 
there's been that core that have sort of been built up and are now like finally coming like yeah flourishing which is awesome to see um you mentioned fitness there as well I feel like and Courtney Vine has mentioned that as well has emphasized that in um like presses is that a big thing for the squad to be able to just have more legs than the opposition and to be able to see out matches like the one where it went to extra time Um, I'm just curious if that's coming from like yeah as from the top down yeah, for sure. I mean, we have such a fit team. Like, I remember years past, I used to kind of be at the top. Like, I would always kind of be top of the, not at the very top, but like in the in the top leader group whenever we did fitness stuff. And now I'm like at the bottom. I don't know if that's come with age or like working full time. I can't really do as much as what I used to. Um, but just, yeah, like it's incredible and I'm just like is it me or is it just everyone so fit but I think it literally is just like we have such a fit team like we do in pre-season these beach runs and like Sarah Hunter, Mackenzie, Paige, even Cote, Cote is like 33 maybe and they're all just like up the front just like absolutely killing it they look like they're on a treadmill like they're not even puffed and um yeah, it's just it's just incredible to watch. And yeah, I think it just shows in that in that game in the semi that went to extra time. No one went down with cramp. Um, you know, everyone just still running. And yeah, I think we do, we do have a very fit team. And you know, we're almost at the end of the season, but I guarantee you we'll be doing box-to-box runs tomorrow night, probably. Um, probably next week as well, just because they like to top us up and and keep us fit and I think that's kind of what has got us through and and also Ante kind of harps on about these beach sessions um I hate them I read them especially when it's uh soft sand and high tide we did one and it was horrendous um but he always says like this is what builds you this is what builds your mentality and and um by the end of the season you'll be reaping the rewards and I think that's really shown I'm really interested in kind of your season. It all could have been very different for you. I, I tweeted about mm. it before the um the semi-final. I was like, this isn't really anything, but you had literally signed for Perth Glory before this season. Then obviously yeah. COVID, you know, has ruined everyone's plans for, yeah. in some sort of degree. So it, it might be the wrong time to ask you this question, but have you kind of sat back and thought like, I could have had a very, very different season you know for this campaign I could have been still in New South Wales but wearing going through a completely different thing have you been able to kind of process that or reflect on it at all yeah for sure it's um and not even just football wise but just like life wise um yeah I think see the funny thing is like I think if we did go to Perth um, and, you know, Perth, Glory obviously relocated to New South Wales. I don't think I would have relocated. Like, I think I would have just had um, the season off just because I was going over with um, my partner. And to come back to New South Wales and leave him there by himself, like, I wouldn't have done that. So, um, yeah, I just probably wouldn't have played this season, not going to lie. Um, or like played as much as possible, and then like when they fully relocated to Sydney, I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to come. Um, so it's definitely been a blessing by not going to Perth, like especially with how hard their border was. 
Um, but the whole intention was just kind of reached a point where I thought I'd really like a change. Um, I was living at home. I, and you know, I love my family, but I'd gotten to the point where I was like, okay, like I need something different. COVID kind of limited the whole overseas, living overseas option, um, which is what we've always wanted to do. Um, but obviously borders are shut. So we're like, we thought, oh, how, how different can we go within the country? Oh, let's go to Perth. Um, and I got a transfer for work and my partner was going to, he was just going to find something when we were over there. And yeah, then the week before we left, we were meant to leave, the borders shut. And then we thought we kept applying for exemptions and they all got rejected. And then um, we'd actually just bought a property together in Sydney and we're going to rent it out and it was on the market to be leased and we took it off the market and then moved straight in um so it got a change in the end and then I called Ante straight away and I was just like hey <laughs> hey I have a question <laughs> and he's like yeah. and he missed my call actually and then he messaged me straight back he messaged me saying like I'm at work or something I can't talk but if you're calling me to ask me if you can come back yes of course I'll have you um, which was really, really nice. And then I think he called me that afternoon and said yes. The next day he called me, or maybe a couple of days later, he called me and asked me to be captain. Um, yeah, so that was shocking. Like I, it was such a huge turnaround. And I think uh, both Will, my partner, and I are absolutely thriving having stayed in New South Wales. Like I've got a new job, which I really like, you know, just won the premiership and captaining the team and about to go to the grand final. All my best friends are here. Um, my partner, he's loving his new job and moved out and, um, yeah, love the area that we're in as well. So, um, you know, everything's meant to happen for a reason, I suppose. I'm not a big believer in that, but I think in this instance, I am a big believer in that. <laughs> sort of makes my next question redundant now because I was going to ask whether – maybe some football overseas was on your radar after this season, but it seems like you're just having a ball hanging around New South Wales, which I don't blame you for because New South Wales rules. Yeah. I mean, I would love to go overseas. There was kind of like an offer somewhat on the table at the end of last season, um, but it all fell through like with COVID and uh, visas and everything. It all fell through. Um, so that was kind of like, the option we were either going to go to Perth or we we're going to head overseas but overseas kind of fell through so that's why we we're like okay we'll go to Perth um I would love to go overseas but I also think it's a lot harder for me too um then I guess a few of the younger girls I have a mortgage for one like women's sport doesn't pay great um so I think it would have to be a huge sacrifice um again I've been with my partner for like seven years so if I was to leave him for for months on end leave him to pay the mortgage um it's a really big decision so I don't know I haven't really been actively looking at all if something was to come up I'd definitely look into it um but I can't say I'm actively looking and I've had, a, I've had this conversation a fair bit with um my good group of friends at Sydney because a few of them are looking to go and it's been really hard because I'm just like, well, it's really sad. Like they, they're kind of looking to leave and I feel like I'm being left behind. Um, but then they, yeah, they all just say like, you're in a different life stage than what we are. Like you're, 
new work, you have a mortgage, you're pretty much married. Um, you know, we a lot of us don't really have those long-term relationships. We're living at home. Um, we need to do something. We like we need to go because soccer is our number one priority. Whereas I, I guess I have got the career, the career as well. So that's nice to have. Yeah. So it's it's overwhelming because I get I get a bit sad sometimes thinking my friends are going to leave. But um, yeah, you just kind of have to kind of have to think positively. And I, I'm trying to really just just enjoy this season and, and rather than thinking, oh my God, it's ending. Like, this is so sad. I'm just trying to be like, oh, this has been the best season ever. And I don't want it to end. And I'm really going to enjoy it whilst it's still going. It, it, what you just said there raises some like really interesting thoughts or, or de- debates perhaps at the moment. And when we're talking about professionalizing women's sport, there are folks like yourself who have, careers and are doing the juggle as it's you know often called um are you see I guess did you I'm curious did you end up doing the juggle out of necessity and are you seeing that in this cohort of players at the the club are they dealing with sort of different decisions because they're not having to do the juggle necessarily does that mm. I this is a very vague question but yeah because no. um for some folks professionalizing the season seems like a no-brainer but for others they've really benefited from being able to do a few different things at once yeah I think professionalizing it would be great um obviously I'd love it like but in the same in the same instance you can kind of see that it's not going to be huge amounts of money you're going to make off it either like it'll probably be somewhat close to minimum wage and uh, like you just see the cost of living in Sydney it's only going up and up you need I, I like I can supplement a good a good lifestyle and have and I purchased a house in Sydney by having a full-time job and having my soccer on top like the soccer on top of a full-time job you you know you start to earn good money and it's really hard but I've been able to buy a property like with definitely the help of my partner <laughs> um yeah so it is it is good money um and whereas I think if they were to professionalize it you I'd definitely take, have to take like a pay drop but you could do other things I think like soccer doesn't take up you know your training what an hour and a half do gym um and the boy like I'm just basing it off what the boys schedule is um and they're usually out of training by two o'clock realistically if you wanted to have a second job on top of that to earn a little bit more money um you always could like I've always said like if they did professionalize it I'd just go do um some disability support work um which is what I've previously previously done um which I've really enjoyed so um yeah I think there's definitely pros and cons to professionalizing it and you know then I'd probably have to drop out of my profession for a while which would be hard to go back into it because you've been out of the game for a while um but in saying that I do look at the boys coming to training and I'm like oh my god what a life (laughs) it's so much easier I can imagine they're a lot less tired than you guys are having to to do the juggle do you guys have any final questions I guess just sort of looking to this elimination final, Nat, between the two Melbourne clubs, you've played them all, obviously, throughout the season. 
what are you expecting from this contest? And do you have a preference for which team you'd rather face in the final? Um, yeah, I've been thinking about it, but I just, I don't know. I'm just like victory. I'd like to face in the final just for the fact that how much it hurt losing the grand final to them last year and, you know, getting that one up on them. Um, I don't know. I reckon it'll be be a close game, but I think City are disadvantaged in the fact that they've had uh, TJ Vonich on a red, Bob's on a red, although in saying that, Sally James is a really good keeper and I think she'll just slot straight in, no troubles. Um, and then I'm pretty sure Winnie Heatley copped um, a knock against us and like came off with a, a concussion of some sort. So I don't know fully what what happened, but it, it I know she had to come off the field. So if she's not fit, I'd say she's their strongest defender at the back. Um, so to lose her would be would be really tough. Um, so I think City are kind of going into it disadvantaged in a way in victory. I, I, they're reminding me of like Sydney FC to, oh, I'm sorry, in 20, in 2012, 13, where they just kind of had this really like underperforming season and then kind of hit their stripes at the end. Um, yeah. So I don't know. They could, I think Victory could pull off an upset going into the semi and then hopefully we can just uh, pull off the upset in the final. <laughs> Yeah. Mackenzie Hawksby Olympico. I just think it would be a really fascinating story, or just because I like the the goals scored directly from corners. I think it would be really funny if Kyra scores one against you, and then oh my god, I Hawksby know does it because her her set pieces have been really quite good. So I can I can see it. I feel like I'm I'm setting victory up for failure here, which is not good as a Melbourneian, but I think it would be very funny. Yeah. Well, she <laughs> M- Mackenzie was like. Uh, whenever she takes a well, before the game, she'll be like, oh, I'm in corners. And then um, she's like, oh, I, I want to score one of those corners where it just goes straight in. And I was like, well, maybe or you could just, just forward it straight in and uh, one of us could score a header or something. I don't know. Maybe Macra. Um, Love the ambition, yeah, though. Know. Love the ambition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, um, yeah, she's doing really well. Her set pieces have, have definitely... Um, come a long way from the start of the season in the fact that she hasn't really taken them in previous teams because uh, even NPL teams, T's always kind of played with her. So T's always been the set piece specialist. Um, but, yeah, she's she's come a long way and I uh, don't want to give her a big head though. So <laughs> I'll stop it there. <laughs> but, no, nah, she's doing well. She's doing well. Um, I guess my question is like so Sydney hasn't done the double with Ante, correct? So has that been like a, a thing? Has anyone, do you say it? You don't want to, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Because I feel like there's a lot of sort of perhaps do it for Ante energy coming into this, <laughs> but I'm not sure. And also, of course, yeah, um, have been so successful, but just not ticked that, those two yeah. specific books. Well, ever since I've been here, so at Sydney, so 2012, we haven't done the double. I think I haven't done it since like 2010, maybe, was when it was done. Um, yeah, so it's going to be huge. I know this season, Ante, like his ultimate goal was the championship. Like, yes, the premiership's been a, an absolute um, amazing achievement, but 
I think because we've been in the last two grand finals and lost them, it's been kind of, um, it's really hurt. And at the same time, I, I feel the same, like it's really hurt the last two grand finals, losing them, especially last year when we lost an extra time. And um, the, the season before that was that incredible city team who were just like, I don't, they were the better team. They were the best team of the whole comp. They deserved to win it in 20, was it 2019, 2020. But I think this year, like we've proven we're the, like the best team in the league. So I think not winning it will be really, would be really disappointing. But um, yeah, so we've really been building towards, towards this game. And um, I think it will be a cracking game. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I know everyone's definitely going to be up for it. Like the the fire is well and truly burning after last year. Last year, when we interviewed finalists, um, a debate a debate emerged about avocado on toast. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, mm-hmm. it turns out that some nutritionists don't recommend it as a pregame thing, even though some people mm-hmm. like it as a pregame thing. But I guess the main question is, do you like avocado on toast? And what is your pregame fave food, if not Ooh. avocado on toast? Yeah, I don't eat avocado on toast before a game. Um, I like avocado on toast. I really like it. And, you know, I probably wouldn't just have it, though. I'd have, like, some egg and, like, some feta maybe. Um, my pregame meal, I don't even know. It always changes. I, I used to eat uh, – we played so many games on a Saturday um, when we first started. And Saturday is my cleaning of the house day and shopping day. And I always used to go to the shops and buy sushi. And um, I'd always get like, I don't know, tuna and avocado and like chicken and avocado and eat that before the game. Um, and then someone was like, ones we get food poisoning. So I stopped it. <laughs> um, I just eat like, I, I'm not, I'm not a very superstitious person and I've really tried not to be one. Um, so I, I'm happy to eat whatever. Like when we're on a way trip, sometimes I eat like pasta before the game. Sometimes I just feel like, you know, a piece of toast with um, peanut butter and banana. I'll usually have like two of those. Um, it just depends how nervous I am as well. Um, but yeah, I'd say when I'm on an away trip, it's usually yeah, either pasta, um, peanut butter and banana on toast and maybe some fruit. Very balanced. Good, good answer. The, the, the most important question of this entire interview, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's all, it's funny all... how many people, so many people love avocado and toast for a game though. Like, hmm. it's, it's a very it's Melbourne ritual. thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the players it. who we've spoken to who don't like it or aren't allowed to have it are usually outside <laughs> of Victoria. So I think yeah. there was a player last season from Brisbane who was like, nah. No, nah, don't like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a whole thing. But it's also interesting yeah. that you don't have like a um, uh, like a regular breakfast. Like I, playing Sunday league, I'm like, if I don't have my toast with peanut butter and banana and honey, I'm going to play terribly. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what I associate with it, but it's, yeah, just, it works for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think most people do, but I don't know. I've just tried, I just really try not to get in like superstitious habits because then, you know, like you try and think back all the time and you're like, okay, well, oh no, I missed it. Like, does that yeah. mean I'm going to play badly? So I, my only like superstition is that I have to put my left sock on first and my left boot on first before my right. So yeah, other than that, I try and, I try and remain as uh, chilled as possible. <laughs> well, it definitely comes across in the way that you play. 
so oh, much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I think we all agree with you that these finals are going to be absolutely phenomenal and we cannot wait to watch this grand final. So thank you for jumping on. Best of luck for the grand final. Sam will be cheering for you as yes. very obviously she'll be cheering for you, but we cannot wait for the game. And thank you again for jumping on. Oh, that's all right. Thanks guys for having me. I really enjoyed it. So thank you. A big thanks to Nat and a big thanks to all our guests over the last couple of weeks of finals. Remember to tune in to the grand final on Sunday afternoon. We absolutely can't wait to get into that. As always, we are on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple and Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to subscribe and leave a review if you like what we're doing. If you want to chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, grand final, baby. See yous.